0: Welcome to the Sports
1: GPS.
0: With your hosts, Parker White and CJ Holly. Welcome back to the Sports GPS season 4 episode 8 Parker what is on the itinerary this evening
1: We are starting off in the nation's capital as the Washington Commanders were sold today
0: Absolutely
1: and then we do a these colors don't run it's a little different like it's kind of you know you know did, did I pick them initially but we'll get into it when yeah. we get there And then CJ's got a a, a nice tirade about umpires. Yeah, I'm going to go with a stay in your lane on how umpires are terrible. Absolutely. And then we're ending on the MLB trade deadline, yeah, which that's is right. fast approaching. Yeah, it's
0: right around the corner. we got 11 days. All that and more on this
1: episode of the Sports GPS. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Sports GPS. We're headed to the, 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 the gridiron. The gridiron. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a, an interesting
0: season. The uh, NFL owners have approved unanimously. By the way, uh-huh. uh, Dan Snyder's selling of the Washington Commanders uh, for six point zero five billion dollars. Yeah, that's billion with a B. By the way, how
1: much did you bid for?
0: Uh, fourteen cents. <laughs> I I had it. I had it in escrow and uh-huh. everything. Like it was there. Yeah. I was like Dan, I'll take it for fourteen cents. Yeah. Um, and he said no. Uh, but. Uh, some cat named Josh Harris. I went to high school with a Josh Harris. You don't think it's the same, <laughs> don't it's Harris, the same so. guy? Don't think it's the same guy. Um, and uh, and Magic Johnson have, have bought it. The, they're the two big guys of this entire like team yeah. trust thing that bought it for $6.05 billion. Um And, of course, I sit here and I'm like, yeah, it's cool. Like That's a lot of cash. And then Parker over here to my right <laughs> says, he goes, well, yeah, but the NFL just fined him. 60 million dollars yeah and you're and like, i said sure so he gives up one percent yeah it was like he yeah. had to sell the credit line yeah uh to the nfl and be like so sorry to, that i paid this to, to, i will get
1: 99 yeah. percent of 6. to be I clear i was not making it sound like well he had to pay like it wasn't like but i w- i wanted to mention that he did get fine it was a side he, it was an antidote yeah, you know it, yeah. i get it
0: but that's what that oh five billion yeah, is. Yeah. So he effectively made the sale for uh, five point
1: nine nine billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Saudi. He, he made out pretty good. Yeah. Well, I for mean, for a, I mean, and it's a bad franchise, by the way. And he's he's he was not a good owner. No, he was. And then when you dig into like the investigation, not a great person. No, he's not. I mean and now he's now he just got 6 billion dollars for a franchise that he was not good at uh i i do want
0: to i do want to say yeah he was not good at running yeah, yeah that's where you're kind of going so, to...
1: so they're probably going to be better for it
0: yeah they will be i the the amount of uh like reception that has come throughout you know the heart of virginia because yeah. 90% of our um <laughs> yeah. of our you know living area here in RVA is Washington fans bless their hearts? Uh, yeah, and but the the Delmarva area uh-huh. of uh, Delaware, Maryland, and and the um, the upper peninsula of uh, Virginia, yeah, um, is excited about this move. Mm-hmm. To be very clear, and yeah. I did, to be very very clear, <laughs> um, I think Dan Snyder leaving means there's going to be another name change, which will sell more oh, jerseys.
1: Let's go, please
0: we're going to talk about names next week of what they yeah. should be called. Yeah. I'm throwing in my early bid <laughs> that they need to be called the Washington Pigskins because then you could get back the Skins moniker, yeah. pigskin for football. Right. It makes the most sense. That does I've make been the most sense. I've been calling for it for years and you know they went with the Commies you've been, you've been, I mean the Commanders. <laughs>
1: But seriously, like, cause I, I always make the joke all the time. Every time that we've t- discussed it, like, did anybody when they were coming up with the name, did anyone in the meeting go, "Hey, you know, like, commanders is short for commies, and what, commies is short for commanders." Yeah. Thank you for. You're welcome. I'm here for you, Jack yeah. and John Flaherty is right here too. <laughs> yeah, but like, not only the name, but like, you're wearing red. Yeah, it's it's like not did a good look. A, did anybody in the meeting be like, "Yo." Do, do you think that, like, they're going to call us the commies for short? Because nope. I, I, I am. Nope. Like, no, they on. didn't. No, it didn't come up. It didn't come up. I, I, I would definitely get up and say something.
0: Well, considering everything in Dan Snyder's personal life, and I can't go into it because we're a clean podcast. Yeah, we are clean. Um, <laughs> Just um, j- Google search. Something I'm liberal on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but, like, you can't. You can't. Like, you yeah. They're not thinking of that. Yeah, They're just making sure that they can put some butts in seats and sell more jerseys. And that's what they were trying to do. Yeah. And clearly it worked considering Dan got like, I don't know, I think it was like 18x what he actually paid for. Yeah, it's, Now, granted, I mean, this is not a, uh, um, you know, we're in an inflation time. But like he made out on this deal. Yeah, so. he did. Yeah. Uh, well done, Dan Snyder, in that regard. But well done, Washington, for getting rid of a cruddy owner. Yeah. So. Um,
1: and you'll be better for it. Yes,
0: correct. Uh, we are going to be hitting our M or sorry, not MLB. We are going to be hitting that later. But our <laughs> NFL preseason looks. Uh, our predictions for all things NFL. We're going to be starting that in August. After training camp gets fired away, we're going to be doing... So close. two division. Yeah, we're like, you know, less than a couple days away from training camp's opening. I think like Friday and Saturday they open. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're going to be looking at two divisions a week. We're probably going to go both west and both south, both north, both easts.
1: Makes sense. Uh, and
0: kind of just fire away like we normally do. We're going to start that in August so that we will wrap that bad boy up with a nice little neat bow. <laughs> right before the start of the season. I think the start of the season is like September 10th or Sounds somewhere right. there. Uh, don't quote me. It's whatever that Thursday <laughs> is. I think it's the second Thursday in September is when the start of the season. So I'm looking forward to that as I am a big football advocate. But the other sport that I am super passionate about and Parker's ever so more passionate than worth yeah, with is baseball. And we're going to jump into that and in these colors don't run Parker's section when <laughs> we return. Welcome back. Getting right into uh, these colors. Don't run. Uh, Parker has been all over the map as far as the NL Central. <laughs> I just choose not to care about the NL yeah, Central. That's fair. Honestly, I should have done that. I should have done, done that. But uh, Parker's a little upset because. In our Eliminator picks, he picked Cincinnati out of the break versus Milwaukee, and Milwaukee swept him. To be clear, we have to figure out what's going to happen with this reverse sweep. Like, does it remove a sweep from his sweep totals? Currently, we have not done that. However, that might be a Twitter poll, ladies and gentlemen. So look out for it. Should the reverse sweep count as a negative to his sweep total? You let us know. All
1: but right. <laughs>
0: Milwaukee did sweep his Reds that he picked. It's not his Reds, but the Reds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my the pick. The Cincinnati Reds. Um,
1: You know, Parker, state your case. Okay, so when we brought These Colors Don't Run, it was who, who we picked at the beginning of the season, yep. and do we still believe in them? So I did the White Sox. Uh, I'm a little shaky now that it's been weeks later. So my NL Central pick was the St. Louis Cardinals. They mm-hmm. were the, they were everybody's pick. Not not CJ's, but the majority of people. Yeah. They're in last pay, place. My colors, they're running all over the paper. All so. over the place. I, and I'm not afraid to admit that. So it's like, okay, who do I think? I like the Reds. They're a fun watch. What about the Milwaukee Brewers? Nobody wants to talk about them. So... They, they swept the Reds, as CJ stated. They had the third-best record in the National League since 2018. That's huge. You know what that says? They're consistent. Every year, they're in the mix in the playoffs, and not necessarily World Series picks, but they're in the mix. The biggest reason why I really believe in the Brewers, and I am I think they're going to win the NL Central. I'm going to say that right now. The biggest reason, Christian Yelich. Is, is he the MVP he once was? No, but he's better than what he's been the last couple years. He's the ninth best on base percentage in the National League at 378. His slash line, 287, 376, 480. That's an 856 OPS. He's got 14 dingers, 54 stakes, 21 stolen bases. Didn't know he was that good of a stolen base threat, but the big, the big, the big, big bags definitely help. Yeah, it helps. But the key to his turnaround, he went from leg kick to toe tap. That is huge. So, like, we we can admit right now, both of us can admit right now, Milwaukee, they're not a great offensive team. Like no one's gonna sit I mean, it's it's Yelich, Rowdy Telez, your boy. Yeah. Who's <laughs> hurt right now? Yeah. Willie Adamas. Like he's a solid player. And but like, Contreras. And Contreras, right. Who they got from my Braves.
0: Yeah. And I mean they've got now, well, they took two or three from my Phillies. Um Yeah, there's some controversy in that. But I digress. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. Um but they're, they're a solid team that pitches really well, and that's the other yeah. piece of this. They have the fourth-best ERA in the National League at 3.98. They have the best opponent's batting average in the National League at 237. I mean, really, they can't hit, but people aren't hitting against them. Uh, their rotation led by Corbin Burns. Their bullpen led by Devin Williams. Top-tier both sides, and it carries this squad all over the yard. I mean, the, the time the Phillies score, like if if they can prevent people from scoring, like today— for example, Corbin Burns throws eight shutout innings of only two hit ball. Yeah. And like that's impressive. They struck out the Phillies thirteen times. I now, mean, but that's the Phillies. Like that's yeah. They are feasting famine by the bat, and they they got stung last night and today, obviously, because they didn't have like anybody in scoring position. But yesterday they went one for seven with runners in scoring position. Like, you can't have that in win. And uh, you know, that, but they're they're they have clutch hitting. Yeah. Is the other piece of the Brewers. They've got Guys that come in and hit singles, they get clutch hits. Uh, they went three of eight last night, and uh, I, I think they had Christian Yelich had a homer today. Uh, to your point, um, he went three for four today. By the way, with that homer and a walk, so like they they know how to score at opportune times, and their pitching holds opponents to you know again less than four runs a game. Yeah, and that's a that's a recipe for success, and that's. That's what Milwaukee's done even back through 2018. Now, granted, they had some better hitting times maybe with a little bit of juicing. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. The, the Ryan Braun era, shall we right.
1: say. Um yeah, I mean, Milwaukee, great team. Like, you need to score to win games. We mm-hmm. know that. Right. But you win big with pitching and defense, which Milwaukee does.
0: Especially in the playoffs. I ain't, yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, I, I don't think Milwaukee made the playoffs last year. Um, yeah, it was yeah, it was the Padres, did. it was the Mets, it was the Phillies. Yeah, behind your Braves and the Cardinals. The Cardinals yeah. won the division, and
1: but they're always they're always there. Yeah, they're always like your you know, like your going would be like, oh, the the <laughs> the Brewers lost ninety games this year. No, they didn't. Yeah. Like they're always you know eighty five ish wins a year. If not a little bit better, like, and it and it helps when you have Corbin Burns an NL Cy Young contender, Brandon Woodruff, uh, fastball Freddie Peralta, like they and like Devin Williams, he might be better than Josh Hader.
0: Yeah, it's just crazy to think about, but because yeah.
1: his changeup is nasty.
0: Yeah, Brewers were one game out of the wild card last year. Just throw that one out there
1: in 2022, and then in
0: 2021. Uh, let's see here. They were, they won the division in 21. Yeah. They won the central in 21 by, by a, by five games too. They went 95 yeah. and 67. Um, they were good in good in 21. Let's look at 20, pull up 20 here. Uh, they were, they were weak in 20 in the COVID year. Yeah. It was weak, but I mean, you know, but whatever it was COVID But that's,
1: year. that's not even a full season. Right. Uh, know?
0: they made the wild card in, uh, nineteen. After losing to the Cardinals, and they were only finished two games out in the wild card. There, Hurt. yeah, they were they were one, two games out in the Central, and then they 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 got second in the wild card. So that was when the Nationals won the World Series. Yeah,
1: boy, that feels like a long time ago. It do it do,
0: <laughs> but yeah, I, but that's the thing. Yeah, the, as as your point, they they're always in the mix. They're always there. They either just miss or just get in,
1: and, and especially like because. The central is weak. I think it's getting. I think it's getting better. Like the Reds, as as we've mentioned, I think the Cubs will figure. it. I'm not saying. I don't think they're going to win the division this year, but I think they're going. They're they're starting to trend in the right direction. They'll be better. I don't think the Cardinals are this bad. Like you're a last place team. I'll say two and eight in their last ten. Oh yeah. no,
0: they're eight and two in their last ten. Sorry, they're on a five game winning streak. And like Pirates are that
1: bad. And like Pittsburgh, like <laughs> we always make jokes about them. They they started up they had a good start to the year, but they're they're definitely fading. Mm. But like I, I think they have some potential down the road. But like I, I I just think this year, because the division is so wide open, give me the team that's always in the mix, consistently a winner. Give me the Brewers.
0: Yeah. I, I will say the Cubs are still the only team to have a positive run differential. Yeah, that's just throwing that out I there. I get it, man. So I mean, they have uh, the Brewers are a negative three, like they're. Yeah, it's not like they're four. You know, they're four seven runs allowed, four four runs scored. Like, and they're not yeah. awful, but at the same time, they do have a very, very low. You know, runs against. They, they the third lowest. They could of definitely. All the National
1: League teams. They could definitely use a bat at the deadline. Oh, they could.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but everybody could. Yeah. Like, everybody's looking for hitting, but there's a lot of people looking for pitching. We're definitely going to be talking about what some teams will be sellers or what they should be uh, or whether they should they should hold on to some people. That's going to be a little yeah. bit later as well. But, yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree that the Brewers are there. I, I picked the Reds last week because I think they have the best chance. They have the best young talent. They can go find a starting pitcher uh, mm-hmm. for the Reds that can give them a consistent start where it's like almost they're guaranteed. Yeah to To have a win almost every five games, it's, I think that's huge. Yeah, for them, uh, and there's there's plenty of starting pitching available out there. Um, whether it's whether it's super quality, eh, that, that's up for debate. Yeah. yeah, but there are definitely a bunch of starting pitchers out there that that are you know third or fourth starters. We'll talk about them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think it's far fetched to think that the Reds can win it. I still don't think the Cubs are out of it unless they turn into sellers, which is very possible. Yeah,
1: I I mean, I I do think it depends on what they do at the deadline. Like they need to finish this stretch strong because if they don't, they're definitely going to be sellers because you have a Marcus Stroman who's going to be a free agent. Cody Bellinger is I know he has an option for next year, but he could be a free agent. He's He's already said he's going to opt out. So and he's having a good year. So, like, if you're the Cubs, capitalize and get get what you can for those guys unless unless you just make the strong push where you're in the mix and you could win the division or uh, get a wild card spot.
0: Absolutely. Well, before we get fully into the trade deadline, and we're going to be talking a lot more about trade deadline next week as we're getting super close to it. There's already been a couple trades that have happened so far. So next week's going to be our massive trade deadline. But we're going to talk about some certain teams that they're either making a st- A stretch run this week, or they're blowing it up. But before we get into that, it's CJ's time (laughs) for Stay in Your Lane. Umpires are terrible. Edition when we return.
1: Welcome back to the Sports GPS. CJ's getting a little bit Stay in Your Lane. We both love baseball but there's one thing about it that we are tired of. CJ explain.
0: Yeah, terrible umpires. And now let me let me be very clear. <laughs> they have a very very tough job and I understand. And the the yeah. pitch clock added, they have to pay attention to the pitch clock, make sure the pitcher moves. There's a lot more on their plate this year and I think it's negatively impacting. However, we've been talking about how bad balls and strikes are for a while mm-hmm. and you know what to tell you the truth for the most part of my watching pleasure this year it hasn't been as to the forefront until i watched the three game set between the padres and phillies coming out of the all-star break at citizens back this past weekend the balls and strikes were atrocious and when i say atrocious i mean atrocious yeah the best of the four was the friday night umpire dan uh dan Bel- uh Bellino. yeah I want to say that's an name. In game one, yeah. he had a 95.7% accuracy on called balls and strikes. And I get to say, that's the best of the bunch. Now, granted, 95.7, you're like, well, CJ, that's an A. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. But, like, shouldn't we strive for excellence? Shouldn't we strive for better? Yeah. And to tell you the truth, this is Dan Bellino's, one of his best games. It's actually his third best balls and strikes called game all year was a 95.3. The man averages 93 and change, but I digress. Again, I stated that was the best of the bunch. The next best of the weekend was actually Sunday's umpire, uh, Brock Belio, at a 91.9% accuracy rate. So he went from 95.7 to 91.9.
1: That's a big difference. It's awful.
0: It's atrocious. It's It's horrendous, even. And then the double header quality of Phil Cuzzy and Shane Living Sparger, and <laughs> a ninety-one and ninety percent accuracy, name. um, yeah, respectively. There, so uh, Phil Cuzzy had ninety-one, and then Living Sparger had a ninety. It was the worst display of umpiring I have ever witnessed. I had to question whether Angel Hernandez was behind the dish, <laughs> and whether uh, Kyle Schwarber was going to blow up again. Um, and if you have not seen the John Boy uh, the, yeah, the John Boy rant on YouTube, now granted, I'm gonna say this right now, kids. If you are under the age of 18, ask for a parental consent <laughs> before you watch that video. Yeah, but it is hysterical. At, uh, John Boy does the, the lip reading of Kyle Schwarwer getting tossed in a game versus Milwaukee. Last year with Angel Hernandez behind the plate is probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen, <laughs> but like it also took me down to a deep dive on umpires. Now, now all this all this data that I have mentioned is courtesy of umpirescorecards.com. I want to give them their love, ump scorecards. It's actually umpscorecards.com is where you have to go. Mm-hmm. So UMP and then scorecards.com. And you can like they've got it all. And they, they do this free of charge. Um, you can donate to them. I highly um, suggest that is you know, and that's my pitch. I have donated to them. <laughs> yeah. It's been a couple of bucks, but still, a couple hey. of bucks goes a long way if everybody does it. Absolutely. Even all twenty-five of you listening to this podcast right now. Um <laughs> but yeah, it is it is it is bad. So I'm gonna pull up the accuracy of all umpires. Now, granted, I am going to filter this data. By umpires that only that have at least umped nine games this year, which means they have been behind the dish for uh, at least nine times. If they if they haven't been behind the dish for nine times, I am taking them out of this statistic. Okay, so the best accuracy of any umpire that has at least nine games behind the dish is Quinn Wilcott at 96 percent. That's his average. That's the best. Now, granted, his max accuracy is 99.2, and his minimum, his worst, is 92.3. And just to point that out there, his worst is better than three of the four umpires yeah. in, the, in the Padres-Philly series this past weekend. Yeah. That is his worst. Um, and his consistency. And what the consistency metric is, is they have a, uh, a metric called the EUZ, and that is the Established umpire zone. So that's uh, what the umpire views as his strike zone um, and how consistent that is. Uh, So that's the expected accuracy and the actual accuracy of his zone. And then the consistency is how often he consistently calls his zone. So, and I put that in quotes, like what he believes the strike zone is at any game uh, point because some some umpires are wider it's the reason why the Phillies won the World Series in 08 yeah. because they had Jamie Moyer uh pitching to I want to say it was Jim Joyce who had the widest strike zone of any of the umpires in the in the World Series game and he was getting the corners but so that that's fine and, and Parker and I have talked about this multiple times that a umpire that's consistent even if he's given a little bit on the outside yep. given a little bit in the end whatever if he's given it but he's he's consistently inconsistent right so if he if he literally well consistently consistent on that pitch right so like yeah he is he's saying okay that pitch that's an inch and a half inside on the bottom half of the zone i'm giving that pitch in the first inning the third inning the fifth inning the seventh inning and the ninth inning if he's giving that
1: pitch and both sides
0: yeah and, and to everybody right the top and bottom of all those innings if he's giving that pitch every time his consistency rating, even though his accuracy might not be right, maybe it's inside. It's it's supposed to be a ball. Yeah. But his consistency rating would be closer to hundred because he's consistently giving that pitch. So that's how that that data point works. Uh, but Wilcott's 949 So if I want, if I'm playing a game, I'm wanting Quinn Wilcott behind the dish. I'm also wanting Pat Holberg behind the dish, at a ninety-five point seven accuracy, and his consistency is at ninety-five. Alan Porter. Alan Porter is a great example. 95.6 accuracy, 94.9 on consistency as well. So, like, all these guys are really, really good. And we all know these guys' names. Now, granted, Alan Porter has had a couple of bangers out there with his his minimum accuracy is 91%. But we all have bad days. I'm not sitting here saying that. However, let's go to the bottom half of the barrel. Scott Berry, you have nine games behind the dish. Your average accuracy is 91.2, your minimum accuracy is 88.9, and your max is 95.2, which means more often than not, you're closer to that minimum accuracy than you are that max, and your average consistency is under 93%. This is a problem. Get him out. Hunter Wendelstadt. Oh, Uh, yeah. Charlie Ramos. Terrible. Um, Let's look at some bad. Dan Iasonia. Ninety three percent accuracy and ninety two point eight percent average I honestly average didn't say.
1: I thought he would be better,
0: dude. His his minimum accuracy was ninety or sorry, eighty seven point eight. His best game is a ninety six six.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you, but like the name, I know who that is. I'm just like, I right. didn't know he was that
0: bad. CB Buckner. Ugh. Buckner. <laughs> Buckner. Yeah. Yeah, and and then. You know, I mean, like then you have Vic Carapaza, middle of the pack. Uh, the Shane Livingsburger apparently um, has had a worse game, but he's also <laughs> had a he's also yeah. had a better game. He's, I mean, he's yeah. been ninety-seven-three, so he's all over the place. Um, Jim Wolf, there's another name that, like, I'm, I'm hitting all these guys. Lance Barrett, for example, mm-hmm. there are guys that have been down in the back, like Chad Fairchild. Like these are all names that I'm like, I've seen these names before. Yeah. Now, and again, um, the, these umpires, I, the reason why I'm hitting them hard is because you're getting paid to be correct. Right. You're getting paid upwards of one hundred and eighty to 200000 if not more, a year to be correct, to be good. Now, granted, I know it's a very tough job. These, these pitchers have insane movement and are coming in insanely yeah. quick. But you are getting paid to make these decisions. So that leads to, is this job too hard? And should Major League Baseball go to robot umpires? Behind the dish. Yeah, I'm talking purely behind the dish for balls and strikes. Should they go to robot umpires? Or, another caveat, should they use a ch- should there be a challenge system for balls and strikes as well? Park, I'm gonna let you respond to this before I go to what I believe is the greatest solution ever.
1: I definitely think they should go challenge system, like because the reason why I'm so like I don't want to go all in on robot umpire because I like the human element. Mm-hmm. Now, as we see, as we've seen this year in the last few years, human element it's hurting the game. It is bad when I can sit at my house watch a game. And no that calls wrong. I I'm, I know they don't have a box that they're looking at uh, and they have to look at it live and up close and and the velocity I get it. but your job is to to call balls and strikes correctly and it's bad when I can sit at my house and know he's way wrong. it's not even just like I'll give it I'll give a couple inches off the plate. like I'm cool with that. but like when I can tell you that is way wrong, I mean, I don't know how many times me and CJ have texted each other, like, screenshots of, like, how is that a strike? Or yeah. how is that a ball? Right. Right? And so I think I, I love challenge system. I, I know that you're going to go more into it, but I think give-, give teams, you know, a handful of challenges where it's like, okay, and then go quick replay of is it right or wrong? Yeah. Um, Because if you go full I- – like. One thing that I think the robot umpire would allow umpires to do is because, especially now with the new rules, it allows them to do their job in other areas. Mm -hmm. Like, you can focus on pitch clock. You can focus on all the other rules that they have to enforce. Yep. That we won't be getting all (laughs) angry that they missed. Yep. Like, they can focus on that instead of balls and strikes. CJ, what system do you want?
0: So you either go robot umpires, and the way you do robot umpires is not how everybody would traditionally think it would be. Like, oh, some they send a sensor yeah. down that says. It's I tri-. know,
1: I know, in the minor leagues when they did it, they had somebody behind home plate with a screen, and they would beep the, the umpire. They had like a buzzer. They yep. beep them ball or strike, right? I don't know if that... I don't really like that idea. I,
0: I have the idea. The technology is out there. Absolutely. Google Glasses. Um, and if you've never seen these things, you can overlay stuff on Google Glasses, and you can do it as a um, as a motion sensor. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, the Google Glasses can bring up the strike zone, and it will literally show you the box through your Google Glasses, and it will adjust to everything. So essentially, you would have the box as an umpire, and you could you could literally say, oh, okay, that that pitch hit the corner of the box. So there would still be somewhat of a human element in that regard. Yeah. But you would have a better working framework of what the strike zone is, especially for pitches that are to the outside of you. Like you're setting up on the inside with the catcher, and then the ball goes to the outside and you kind of lost it. You would be able to see it a little bit better with the box with Google Glass. So I think that's the way to do a modified robot umpire because eventually, yeah, I mean, it is a robot. Yeah. With the Google Glasses giving you an overlay, but it's an overlay, and then you're still able to make the call. However, I think the challenge system is the play. And here's how the challenge system would work. It's very, very easy, and <laughs> it's very simple. Let's dive in. You get three challenges all game to be wrong. You can be wrong three times. There is only three people on the entire field that can call for the challenge, and it must be with like almost instantaneously, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. The only three people that can call for it are your catcher, your pitcher, and the hitter. The only three you can call for the challenge system. And literally, he challenges it. It goes up, and on the jumbotron, there is a jumbotron in every stadium. Do not lie to me. Yeah. yeah. There is a jumbotron in every stadium, and it literally comes up like a tennis challenge. And if you if you're not familiar because you don't watch Wimbledon, um, <laughs> I do. When a player <laughs> when a player asks for a challenge for the call, the chair umpire goes, We have a challenge on the outcome in the back <laughs> quarter line at the last point. Yeah. Right? And then so it literally pops up on the jumbotron, and they 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 show a simulation of the ball's path. Yeah. And then it makes a little like dark spot on where the ball has impacted the ground. Yeah. Did it hit the line in that spot? Or not? And did it like touch the line or not? That is so easily done nowadays with the technology we have, it would take less then five seconds to queue it up for him to ask for the challenge, queue it up to the jumbotron. The entire stadium's waiting with bated breath yeah. on this call. Because you know with only three challenges that uh it's gonna be an important call, right? right? It's gonna be it's gonna be a massive call in the game that that it happens. So the entire stadium's sitting there like Right, yeah, like, and then all of a sudden it's a strike, and it's great for your team, and you're like,
1: yes, I was a strike.
0: I actually kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's so much more fan engagement. Yeah, and, and like the TV audience is going to get it too because yeah. they're literally going to show it up. I'm like, oh, they're challenging the pitch. Let's see what it is, and they they're going to pop. They're going to show the jumbotron, and they're going to they're going to pop it up on the screen. Like, yeah. So at home, you see the same thing that everybody in the stadium the, the The feels are going to be incredible. It's gonna sell more tickets. It's the greatest thing that Major League Baseball could do, and it's and everybody's big thing is like, well, replay sucks now as it is. Well, uh. yeah, that's because you're replaying stuff that like is multiple angles and things like. Yeah. That. No, no, with the strike zone, it's literally one angle. Like yeah. at the front of the plate, did the ball cross the front of the
1: plate in between and they, the man's knees and the small of his back? And they show that technology with K zone already. Already, it's not like we don't have it. Like, we've seen, as a fan, if you're watching it at home, they have a box. And sometimes on, like, ESPN or the network, they'll, you know, when they review games, like, afterwards, that they show certain pitches and stuff. It's like, yeah, Yeah. I know that was outside. Right. I do have a question. So, um, amount of challenges. You say three. I say three. Does that include, like, okay, so what if you're a hitter in the box? Mm -hmm. You want a challenge. Does that count as one of the three? Or yeah. is it like three as the pitcher? Nope. Or three, your, your three team of the has team. three. Okay. And
0: you're allowed to get three wrong. Okay. So, if you're like, I know that pitch is good. I knew that pitch was, was outside and he called it a strike. You type it up. Tap up the helmet. Great. Cool. All right. This is your first challenge. It turned out to be a ball. You don't lose your challenge. You get three wrongs. But, again, it only takes five seconds. So, yeah. And then that would also hold the umpire's. Who are making two hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. accountable for being better? So you don't have the Brock Belue, the the Phil Cuzzy, and the Shane <laughs> uh Barger, yeah. Sparger, whatever the heck this cat's last name. You don't have them having these terrible games with eighty seven percent strike yeah.
1: uh, call ratings in in you know whatever. Like, like that's how bad it was. Like ninety five percent should be your lowest.
0: Yeah. Well, I again, I'll give the human element. Maybe maybe your lowest is. 93, 92.
1: 92? But, like, let's yeah. go
0: over some of the minimums. Uh, Imal Jimenez had a 84.4 minimum accuracy. Yeah. Uh, Ramon De Jesus had a 85.6.
1: Those are Bs, ladies and gentlemen. Hunter Wendelstat, stat. 87.3. And I think this is the game that you pulled up. Oh, yeah. The Dodgers-Yankees? That he had
0: a 67% yeah. strike call rate. Yeah. He called... Like, out of the 53 strike calls
1: that Basically he had, two-thirds. He
0: had 17 strike calls that were actually balls.
1: Like, that... Ca- 17. Like, I'll give you three or five. 17?
0: 17. Out of 53 possible strike calls he had wrong. Yeah. Now, he also called five uh, true strikes balls, but... That, that's on top of this terrible stat yeah, yeah. and everything else. Like, and it's just bad. And, again, if you're consistent, you're good. Like, DJ Rayburn, 87. Uh, Brian Onora, 87.8. 80. Like, they're so bad.
1: Dan Iasonia.
0: Yeah, like, again, these are names that people know. If right. you know umpire. Like, it's, it's almost as good as knowing Jim Joyce as the guy who screwed up uh, Galarraga. Yeah. You know it.
1: I will say this, and one thing that I wish that like players, especially offensive players, understood, like back in the, back in the day, <laughs> like like players in the box, they knew. Okay, this guy is behind the plate. Yep. High strike zone today, or he's giving them he's giving him outside. Yep. Like like players knew this umpire. This is this is what this cat's gonna call. And so they adjusted to that players do not do that today, which I understand like a strike is a strike is a strike. I get that, but it's like, I under, I, I'm okay with an umpire kind of having his zone. Yeah. Cause like, like we said, like you said at the top, if you're consistently consistent in your zone, you're calling both sides. Like it may not be a strike, but like you're consistent and you're giving them a couple inches off Mm -hmm. the plate or up, up in the zone or whatever. Like I'm cool with that if you're doing it all all game long yep. for both sides. But uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's it's so bad. I know they have they had a lot of a lot of guys retired after last season, so they had ten new umpires come in the league this year. I understand that's an adjustment, but it's like we're we're mentioning guys that like have been around a while.
0: Listen, Jeremy Riggs is one of those new umpires. He has the best consistency. Yeah,
1: written. yeah.
0: So, no, it it doesn't matter. Experience, 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 like whatever it is. Yeah. I don't really care. You've got one of the new cats who's just fresh into the league, has the best consistency rating, and he has a darn fine
1: accuracy rating at 95.2. Get better, all you old farts that need glasses. Ben May. Anyone know who that is? I think he's a new guy. Yeah. He has the best max accuracy of 99.3. Yeah. He, he almost had a perfect game. There was that's one right. perfect game
0: that's not on here. But I think it's because I've I've filtered it out to umpires with nine games. Yeah, like if I if I go out, maybe if I minimize it, there was there was one perfect game. He was called,
1: he called it perfectly, um, and I can't I can't remember. And look, what it I was. don't expect you to get every call right because you are human, and I don't. I mean, I know you said there's a guy that had had a perfect game. But how many guys back in the day had a perfect game call right like it just it doesn't happen and I don't expect it but can you be can you give me like 92 93 plus percent every every game yeah he
0: had all right so Ben may this is the the perfect game quote unquote mm-hmm. he had one
1: miss he called one one strike a ball that's crazy. And no one. It was probably insignificant. It was an 0-2 count with two outs and bases loaded. He called it a. He <laughs> okay, called it a well maybe ball. Maybe, uh, maybe it was a a pretty a, a big moment, but you know his his consistency was ninety seven percent. But like that miss, I'm looking at it right now. That's not terrible. No, it's it's it's
0: an outside pitch. It like barely caught the zone. Yeah. He was for all intents and purposes, he was perfect. Yeah. So I'm giving it to him. There are there are ways to get around this people so get it done
1: mm-hmm.
0: all right well that's going to wrap it up for the umpires are terrible segment <laughs> hopefully you enjoyed that definitely check out umpscorecards.com it's great. if you ever yeah it's it's fun to just fill around and see which umpires are good and which umpires are bad get heated yeah get get fired up like <laughs> i have been yeah. Well, when we return we're getting into the uh five teams actually six teams that we're going to be talking about uh, should they blow it up come the trade deadline or should they stay put maybe sell a little bit maybe buy a little bit all that when we return welcome back getting into our final segment of the night uh what certain teams should do at the deadline starring parker
1: white
0: <laughs> thanks cj
1: Let's Uh, get into
0: the the team names, Parker. Uh, Let's talk. We're talking Padres, Mets, Cardinals, White Sox, Mariners, and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Parker, (laughs) we're starting off with the Padres. What should
1: they do? CJ, they should stay put. Okay, we're going to stop. We're going to stop.
0: It was was fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I, I think they should be a mild seller. Like, Josh Hader... Get rid of him. Yep. He's going to be a free agent. You're not going to you're not going to bring him back. You probably shouldn't because you've got all this money tied up elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Blake Snell, get something for him because teams always need pitching. Yep. And there's not a lot of starting pitching, like quality starting pitching in the market. Blake Snell's actually having a pretty solid year. Right. So get what you can for him. Should they trade Juan Soto? No, they should keep Soto. So like keep Soto. They, this is where
0: the mild seller stays in. Right. You sell Hater. You sell Snell because there's ma- there's small markets. For a huge upgrade at your closer position and your uh, starting, you know, an uh, for all intents and purposes borderline ace in Blake Snell, yeah, especially the last couple times out he's pitched that well. Um, but no, Juan Soto, there, there's enough borderline outfield position help, and the man's a transcendent um player in today's game. I think yeah. if you keep Juan Soto. I think it's pretty simple there.
1: All right, the New York Mets blow it up. Blow it up. It, Ye- And it's not even just like oh, just get rid of everybody. They need to get younger. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you got to trade one of Scherzer Verlander. They are one and two by the way in AAV this year getting paid. It was a great idea bring the they pitched together in Detroit. They were great. They're they're going to be Hall of Fame pitchers. We get it, but it did not work for the Mets. They actually got worse this year. Like their pitching is not better, which is kind of weird when you have Scherzer Verlander. Mm -hmm. They need to get younger. Um, because they 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 got veterans all over the place and it's not working and the division is pretty stacked, so get younger.
0: And they've got value, even though they haven't pitched well this year. But get them on a contender, yeah. especially Scherzer. Well, I mean, tell you tell you the truth, both of them when they when they get onto a contender yeah. situation, big they, game. Like they, I'm cool. They're, with them. they're big game pitchers, both of them. So one, maybe even both. Uh, truth be told, but definitely one of them get rid of. Yeah. Cardinals full send sell they they need to trade Arenado trade Goldschmidt well
1: I don't even think they have to trade those one no of the... I think they do I think they do you think they do? you have
0: to sell you have to sell Arenado Goldschmidt maybe you keep him he is a former MVP sells tickets go there I know Arenado does the same thing you have to send you have to send
1: one of them but the biggest thing they have to they got they have to get rid of the logjam in the outfield they mm-hmm. have too many young outfielders you have Tyler O'Neill get him out of town. Um now I'm drawing a blank on guys, but I mean they have a lot of like really good young talent mm-hmm. and they, they they need they need pitching. Like their biggest issue this year is they don't have like Jack Flaherty, we don't know what he is anymore. They need to get rid of him. Yeah. Montgomery, he was good last year, but hasn't really brought it this year. Teams need starting pitching. You can get a lot for them, even if they're not having great years. The Cardinals, they need to sell. For some reason, their last-place team, I think Ali Marmol, their manager, I think he's going to get canned at at the end of the season. But, yeah, the, the Cardinals, they need to sell, for sure.
0: Yeah, I think it's just Tyler O'Neill is the only, like,
1: viable trade piece from the outfield. But like, I, what, Brendan, Brendan Donovan is a utility guy. I think you keep him, but, like, yeah. um, definitely Tyler O'Neill. They need to get rid of him. I mean, they benched him. Ali Marmol benched him earlier in the year because they had, a like, a little... A little a scuff. A uh, they, scuff. they could yeah,
0: Paul Young, the shortstop there, they could they could sell yeah. him very easily as well. Yeah. He definitely needs some shortstop help especially down the stretch. So, they did the same thing with Edmundo Sosa last year, the you know, the very uh, good sure fielding yeah. uh guy. They they sold him and, and flipped him and, you know, it worked out for the Phillies. I'll take him. Uh the Chicago White Sox. Sell. Yeah.
1: Giolito, he's going to be a free agent, get rid of him. Eloy Jimenez, the talent's always been there but mm-hmm. he can't stay on the field. So get what you can for him. The basically the only one that's not na- the only ones that aren't named Luis Robert and Dylan Cease you should get rid of. Yeah, I mean, the like Grandall.
0: Yeah, Joe Kelly, uh Kenyon Midl- uh, Middleton, uh Ronaldo Lopez, all three of those relievers, they they can yeah. get some high dollar as well, probably a couple blue chip prospects uh for each of them. So, yeah, I mean, sell, 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 baby. It's it's drill, 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 but sell,
1: sell, sell. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the Seattle Mariners. They got to trade veteran pieces like Teoscar Hernandez, A.J. Pollock, Colton Wong, e- Eugenio Suarez. Mm-hmm. Those guys should not be Mariners after the trade deadline for whatever. And, look, I like the Mariners, but, like, it, it, it hasn't come together. No. But they have a good young core like J-Rod. And your rotation with George Kirby, Luis Castillo, like they have pieces, but for what these veterans aren't helping them and they need to get rid of them.
0: Yeah, and they got to give playing times to some young guys and and try to see what they've got for next year and then make moves off of that. And a couple of these guys are playing on one year deals anyway, so it just makes sense. Uh, The biggest question we have, and this is the final question of the night, is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. What do they do with Shohei Otani? Trade him. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in that as well. I he's in the final year of his contract. You never know where he's coming. Whether he was going to re-sign with you, regardless of whether he's staying in L.A. or whether you trade him from L.A. But you can get
1: the Kings ransom. Oh yeah,
0: for Otani right now.
1: And I think Baltimore should be a team they they get to. Absolutely, I,
0: they've got the big farm system. I, there is a package out there that the Phillies should offer them. Painter, but now that he's right. going for Tommy, Tommy John, John, maybe yeah. not. Uh, but, like, uh, Crawford and a couple other, like, top 15 prospects. I'm like, nah, it's, it's, it's too much. I don't think – I like, Otani's worth it, don't get me wrong, but I don't think you mortgage that much of the future. Right. And they're going to want some, you know, some somewhat proven commodities as well. Right. But they're four and a half back in the wild card with two teams ahead of them for the final spot. So it's literally the top three – Then two teams, then them. And then they're nine games back of the Rangers for the division. One of those teams that they would have to jump in the wild card, they have to jump in the division as well in the Houston Astros. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're coming back. I know they're above 500. But it just it doesn't make sense for me in the if Mike
1: Trout was healthy, I might have a different take. I believe so as well. But since he might be back, what September? Yeah. Um. Yeah. You just you have to be honest with yourself. I think the Angels are having a decent year, Mm -hmm. but like Otani, of course Otani, and I think he'll be okay. But like Otani's dealing with a bush right now, so he's not really pitching. But he's a big time offensive player. He's definitely a front runner for MVP. Yeah. But you got to get what you can for him because you can't guarantee that you're going to resign. Exactly.
0: And you still can resign him. If you do trade him and get pieces, now he's more apt to come back to you. So it makes the most sense to trade him because you're not getting anything done this season and he could still come back to you. So that's the reason why you hold on to him. Uh, Twitter poll that's going to be going out. uh, Should... L.A. trade Otani. Yes, no, uh, don't know, whatever you feel, let us know. Uh, It's going to be on all of our socials, at the Sports GPS, Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok. TikTok, You name it, it's there. At the Sports GPS, let us know what we're doing, anything that you want to tell us on how we can improve the show, how we can make it better for you. That's what we're all about here. Absolutely. Inclusive love. You let us know, our faithful listeners, <laughs> on what we can do to make it better. Next week, as we've already stated, we're getting deeper into the trade deadline. I know we got into it a little bit here. We're getting. Fu- it's going to be basically a full trade deadline. Might actually do two episodes next week as I will not be here uh, the following. Like, well, we'll be here. We'll- we have two more weeks, then I'm not going to be here. And then we'll be back. I'm going to be in Vegas and L.A., My cousin is getting married. Uh, Congratulations, CJ Beyer, uh, to his beautiful fiance, Hallie. Um, They're getting married in LA and I can't wait to go out. It's going to be a great time. Um, you know, love you guys. I figured I'd give you the shout out here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, super excited about that. Also, check Parker out with his brother. They're, they're still trying to get some quirks done, but above the chop, your YouTube uh, sensation with your yeah, brother. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're still working on getting it going. We were going to do it this past Friday. We, it did not work out, but we do plan on starting that up above the chop, Uh, doing Braves post game, and we'll do, be doing other Braves news on a daily basis as well. So,. Yeah, hit us up and check us out on YouTube at Above the Chop.
0: And also, I am getting one off the ground for the Phillies. It's going to be inside the ringing of the bell. Check that out in the next couple of weeks, as uh, I'm going to be doing post game for the Philadelphia Phillies. So looking forward to that as well. Inside the, uh, sorry, ringing on the inside of the bell is is I think it's a working title. We'll figure it out. For sure. <laughs> uh, but definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but I think that's going to wrap it up for season four, episode eight. For all of us here at the Sports GPS Parker White, CJ Holly, thanks for stopping by. Oh, thank you.